Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is the B2B's final mile with my friend Steve Lopez. Steve is the Vice President of Partnerships at Freight, and Freight is spelled F-R-A-Y-T, an on-demand last mile delivery solution that enables businesses to meet their customers' same-day expectations. Final mile, or last mile, used to refer to delivering to homes but that is changing as B2B companies embrace e-commerce. B2B companies are increasingly turning to freight for their final mile and middle mile shipments. To learn why, please take a listen. Hello, Steve Lopez. Please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Hey, Joe. It's really great to be here on the podcast with you. Steve Lopez, and I lead the uh, partnerships here at Freight. And the freight is actually based out of Cincinnati, Ohio, but I'm calling in from Dallas, Texas. Very nice. Please spell freight for those of us who are wondering how that's spelled. <laughs> that's a great question. So we spell it F-R-A-Y-T. I've seen many who they at times, you know, struggle to pronounce it. And in fact, I also looked up on Google how to pronounce freight, F-R-E-I-G-H-T, and the spelling that it gave back is exactly how we spell freight, F-R-A-Y-T. Exactly. So what do you guys do over at Freight with a Y-T? <laughs> yeah, great question, Joe. We are a tech-first, middle, and last-mile delivery marketplace that we connect shippers of all sizes. So whether this is local businesses, this could also be regional businesses and also national size enterprises. We connect those shippers to our driver marketplace. The driver marketplace that we have are more than 25,000 that we have today, 25,000 independent contractors that we have today who drive anything from a passenger car to a 26-foot box truck. Excellent, excellent. And by the way, again, the title is the B2Bs in a little possessive final mile. And what that alludes to is you guys are delivering final mile for B2B businesses. And when I think of final mile, I normally think of delivering to homes. So, but the majority of your business is B2B. That is correct, Joe. You are right uh, that typically the uh, term last mile is more is more B2C. Okay, that's what mostly everyone in the industry it's associated with usually. Yeah, exactly. And so for us, we still perform last mile delivery. However, it is in the B2B space. There's a couple of examples that I can give you. So one is to make, let's say, deliveries of things like flooring. So we deliver lots of a building material type items. And so we pick those up from local distributors or regional distributors and we distribute that um, contractors. And so we make those deliveries directly to job sites. That is the final mile for that delivery. Yeah. And by the way, we, well, before we hit record, you and I and Emma, your marketing lead, we're talking about final mile. And again, I normally associate final mile with e-commerce shipping. And I many times on my podcast have said e-commerce or direct to consumer meaning they're almost the same word, like they're synonymous. 
But the reality is more and more businesses are saying, we don't need to do things the way we traditionally did them. We uh, might be selling online. If you're selling something online, think about office products. For a long time, you would have gone to Staples, maybe you still do, great company. But you're just as likely to go online and buy it and have it shipped to you. And you mentioned building materials that you guys are big in that. Those were always delivered from somewhere, but it's interesting because now all of a sudden, rather than it being a local mom, pa that does the deliveries for you, now you have a company that can scale with you and be enterprise level and have the technology that you expect from an enterprise level partner. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Joe. We're now in the age that not only are the consumers expecting to be able to make their purchases online, but this is also businesses. We recently launched a new partnership with a very large, this is, this is essentially someone who they sell tires online. But is what they do is that they actually distribute these tires from the distributor to local shops who they then they can actually install these tires for the consumer. And so this is how they place their orders. Typically, the local shop may not have enough cash flow or even room to keep lots of inventory on hand. And so this is a very fast way for them to get their um, hands onto the inventory. Yeah, yeah. That's another thing we talked about is the whole idea of tires. There's thousands of different kind of tires. Do you want to carry each one at your every one of your stores? First off, your stores have to be much bigger to hold them. But secondly, I'm holding slow moving inventory. Better to hold that at a central location that I can get to same day, next day, but I don't need to carry uh, enormous amounts of inventory. Inventory carrying costs are huge. And one of the things that also happens with inventory, it tends to become obsolete. And I think I've heard stats that 30% of the things we build to sell never get sold. They die on the shelf somewhere. Now, that makes sense when you think about food. We're not talking about food. Lots of other things become obsolete. If you're selling car tires and you say, this is for cars that will fit a car for this model year and then discontinued after that, at some point, you're not going to sell too many of those tires. So you don't want them sitting around. You don't want to have say, oh yeah, we bought a hundred of those in the event that we sell them and we're selling fewer every month. Let's take the classic example of there are a lot of seasonal tires. So shops are not going to want to have uh, on-hand winter tires during the summer. So to your point, they have now the perfect opportunity to be able to transfer this inventory very quickly by uh, utilizing a reliable marketplace just like Freight. Yep. Let's switch gears. Let's talk a little bit about you, Steve. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you joined Freight and why you joined Freight with an YT at the end? <laughs> Lots of great questions. So I was born in Toledo, Ohio, moved to Texas when I was only five years old and so have mostly lived here in the state of Texas. I currently reside in uh, Dallas. I did not have the path to go to college, so I do not have a college degree. I am all self. That seems increasingly smart. <laughs> it's that was my path in life, Joe. And I look back at it, and yeah, there were definitely times where I really had to work extremely hard to get to a certain point. 
But I would say, though, today, it is something that I highly encourage to young people for specific roles and for specific things that they want to do. We're fortunate that we live today, though, where we have lots of information really within. We can look up information very quickly. And so it's just different times. I have always had a strong entrepreneurial spirit. Prior to getting into delivery, I've done things such as a paintless dent repair. I have also owned a small vending machine business as well, too, many years back. And then I started with a very large coffee roaster where we were nationwide and we essentially roasted all of our own products. We manufactured all of our non-coffee items. What was interesting about the company is that we had our own internal fleet. We had a very large fleet of 18-wheelers that would make all the deliveries from the manufacturing sites to about 110 warehouses throughout the U.S., And then we had a fleet of roughly at the time around 500 routes that would actually distribute from the local warehouses to our food service customers. And that's really the beginning of where I'm at today. I spent 14 years there for that company. And I really did many different things. Most of that time was in sales and operations where I learned many different things around direct store delivery, which is DSD. And then about my last two and a half years, I spent in the internal audit department. And that was a fascinating view of a large public company and really getting to see just all the behind the scenes in terms of accounting and payroll and manufacturing and inventory, all these things that happen in a large company. Uh, At that time, Joe, in roughly at about uh, 2016, I uh, came across a very small startup that was based in Dallas, Texas, that was a startup that was focused on doing delivery of big and bulky items. This was mostly for items that required two people, so things like furniture, and uh, mattresses and things like that. Yeah, that's a white glove. Yes, exactly. And so their concept was as long as you had a pickup truck and you had muscle and you could lift things, they wanted you to join the network. And I was very curious at the time and I decided to uh, join the app. And I was still working in my full-time corporate job at the time. And I started to drive for that startup. I really became very interested in what they were doing, Joe, because I could see just all the practical use cases for their model. And at the beginning of 2018, I made the decision to leave a career of 14 years and to join a very tiny startup where at the time they were only operating just here in the state of Texas. And my role was to work with them to begin to expand, and they were going to start to expand actually outside the state of Texas. That was the beginning to my career that I've now had here in the last mile delivery. I was there at that startup until May of 2022. We were able to expand the business from one state when I joined to 43 states And it was a great experience and a lot of hands-on and 
real, I would say no actual lifting because there's a lot of deliveries that I was able to help with. And as we expanded as well too. So I had a front row view in terms of last mile delivery, the uh, customer experience, driver experience as well. And most of all, how different parts of the country operate in terms of delivery. It's not the same to make a delivery here in Dallas as it is in Manhattan. Yep, for sure. When and why did you join Freight? Yeah, great question. I briefly got into the uh, prescription uh, delivery space in mid to late 2022. And at that time, Luke Denny and I, we actually met each other through LinkedIn. I'm uh, very active on LinkedIn. We struck up a conversation and it was really just a conversation. It wasn't because I was looking for a role and he wasn't offering at the time either. And we were just really comparing notes. And I thought that it was very intriguing what Freight was doing. I distinctly remember at the very beginning of the pandemic, when I was still with the first startup, that I remember coming across Freight. So I knew more or less who they were. Uh, and so we just started having no conversations. It was great to get to know each other. Through the rest of 2022, we had multiple conversations. And then at the beginning of 23, he asked if I had any interest to join. And so I was fortunate enough to go up to Cincinnati and met many of just some awesome team members here at Freight. And really, as they say, the rest is history. <laughs> why did I join? I, uh, there are very specific reasons why, Joe, why I joined. I had told myself after the first startup that I wanted to do something different than big and bulky delivery. But freight, there were specific reasons why I said yes. And so one of those things is actually because of they've done a great job with the technology. And I recognize that. And I was able to have a good view also to see what was going on under the hood. And I was very impressed. But I will say that because my career in Last Mile started as a driver, what impressed me the most was not the technology. But it was all of the favorable reviews from the freight drivers. The very first place, show that I went to is I went to YouTube. And I looked up because I wanted to know what are the drivers saying about freight. And I was very impressed by many of the things that they were saying. And I wanted to know what was the recipe that they were using to be able to achieve very favorable comments. That's what ultimately convinced me that, yes, they're doing the right thing here at Freight, and I would love to be a part of the organization. Yeah, I love it. It's interesting when we think, we talked before we hit record, you and Emma and I were talking about the gig economy. So during the pandemic, we uh, saw the gig economy really step up and start doing home deliveries, and it worked. But it didn't, it, I will say, Sometimes it can be a little shoddy and it's, I'm not blaming the gig economy. That is a very difficult job. You're going and doing shopping for someone or you're picking up food for somebody. And what they need is steady work that pays well. And anybody who's ever been a consultant like myself, you go, when I'm working, I'm not selling. 
And then when I'm selling, I'm not billing, right? So it's this constant back and forth. What the gig economy needs from companies like Freight is good pay, consistency, like you're going to keep me busy. But on top of that, you're going to treat me well. I can grow my business with you. What I always think about, there's another side of it, which is if I'm a big retailer or a distributor, and I like mentioned building products is something you guys focus on. And let's just say I have locations all around the US. Do I want to work with mom pause at every location? Or do I want to pick a company like Freight? And there's others, but I would say Freight. Do I want to work with a company that is tech-centric and already has that network of well-trained, paid, loyal drivers? And also, I don't want I don't want to talk to individual drivers, not because there's anything wrong with the drivers. It's just I want consistency. I don't want to hear one. I don't want to work one way in Dallas and another way in Phoenix. <laughs> I want everything. If I'm enterprise. I want my enterprise to work the same every city in America. Please elaborate. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. One of the exciting things that we released in 2020 is we now have something that's called a preferred driver. The preferred driver program came through the feedback of many different shippers of saying, I love it when Bob shows up here to make my deliveries. Is there any way that he or she can come to my place of business every time to make my deliveries? So we know the value of providing the consistency and really having a driver who is known at the business, who understands what to do, where to go, who to ask for. And we've had really good success with that program to where the shipper is able to request a certain driver. Yeah, I love that. Account familiarity, when I can say it correctly, is is so important in the logistics business. So if I'm working with your example, Bob has been delivering this concrete to a location or multiple locations for this company a few times. And then they say, we're gonna, we prefer to work with Bob because... We're a little quirky. Our doc is our doc is open at this hour and it works for Bob and the guys like him, they know him. Then let's keep doing it. Let's not keep bringing somebody else brand new into trying to understand the quirkiness of our type of business. And every business has its own unique nuances, quirkiness, whatever you want to call it. And so that account familiarity, if you can have it, is really valuable. It is. It's There's a lot of different factors involved, like the things that you just mentioned. One of the things in our world that we've worked so hard on, especially, is there's a lot of shippers that still deal with paper bill of ladings. And so by having really the preferred drivers on these, or really just the ability to be able to scale those processes... We're able to ensure that we're sending back a photo of the signed bill of lading. Things like that really matter to the shipper, Joe. Those are the things that just provide the consistent experience, no matter if you're using us here in Texas or if you're using us up in Ohio. Yeah, that's you mentioned the proof of delivery. 
a consulting company called me a few months ago and said, hey, we've got this problem. Maybe you can help us, blah, blah, blah. Really large company, everyone will recognize the name, delivering something to a really large retailer and not getting the proof of deliveries and not being able to invoice for millions of dollars per year. And you go, whoa, wait, these are Fortune 500 companies using probably really good trucking companies. Somewhere in that, somewhere, everybody in that mix knows what they're responsible for, but somehow it doesn't happen. And this is why, again, I want somebody who's tech-centric, somebody who can be who get, can engage with me at the enterprise level. I, we all appreciate what mom and pa are doing, but the nature of mom and pa businesses is they don't have technology. They don't necessarily all communicate the same way. And, and let's face it, they quit, they move on. So we're seeing more and more. So I, I've for a long time, I said, do we really need freight we have 25,000 freight brokers. And you go, do I need all those freight brokers? Well, they're in business for a reason. They're in business because somebody likes working with them. But what it speaks to in my mind is that when there's a capacity problem, shippers just don't want to deal with chasing every carrier under the sun, only to find one and say, yeah, we go from Dallas to Houston. That's all we do. And you're like, oh, damn, would you go to San Antonio? No. <laughs> and so freight brokers are right on top of that. And we're seeing it also in the warehousing business where large warehousing technology focused companies are saying, we're going to unite 150 locations with our technology and our processes. And you get consistency, everything, every single location, even though they might be a separately owned warehouse. Same thing you guys are doing. You're the interface. You're the responsible one. If something goes wrong, I get to go and scream at Steve. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you might say, we need a new low. We need more capacity in this region. We need to replace uh, somebody who's a bad actor over here. And that's, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that as a large retailer or distributor. That's just not my problem. I don't want to, I, I got lots of other problems. Let that be Steve's problem. <laughs> Yeah, you're absolutely right, Joe. You'll find whether it's a a, a regional retailer or or it can also be someone you know national as well. To someone, they want one single source of truth. They don't want to have ten different conversations with ten different carriers, ten different invoices. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, you're absolutely right. I call that that they want to have one throat to choke. So essentially, when there is something that needs to be worked out, they want to be able to go to one party, okay, to be able to deal with certain situations without, once again, having to reach out to multiple people. Yep. And by the way, it's 2024, Steve. It's one back to Pat. Come on. Oh, I did not know that. Sorry. One back to Pat. I'm sorry. I'm from the early 20, from the early 2000s. I guess it was a very different culture at the time. Exactly. So I want you to talk a little bit about, these are some notes that we had before we hit record. And, and maybe you can talk all about one time, operational efficiency, technology, visibility, route planning, customer service, and that consistency that you guys bring to the party. So speak to why this is something why you need this i'll call it the orchestration level is what the a lot of 
all the cool kids are calling it right now. You need the orchestration level between you and the gig economy who does actual work. Because what we say here at Freight is let us handle the work to get things delivered. You sit back. Or in other words, give us all the details, give us the data, give us what we need to do so that that way we can ensure that we get your deliveries completed. The last thing to the shipper or really anyone in the business that's looking to ship, whether it's a retailer, et cetera, what they don't want to be bogged down with or really concerned with is where's my package? Will it get there on time? Why was it not delivered? So all of the things, reliability, visibility around it. And for us, uh, because we've created a very strong technology platform, we're able to inform the shipper and also the retailer of where their items are. Not only where are their items, but who are their items with? We provide them also with the direct access also to the driver. So they're able to contact the driver as well. And we find, Joe, that this is a great way for when there's questions around maybe someone is late to pick up an item. They don't necessarily have to reach out to us at freight. They can call the driver directly. However, we provide the full support as well, too. We have an outstanding network operator team that they work seven days a week. They essentially oversee so the entire operation. So it's really the transparency and the visibility of what we provide of why we feel so strongly about our solution here. Yeah. Yep. Steve, before we hit record, we were also talking a little bit about inventory management and we were talking about that the tire company we work with and speak why the um companies like yours can help manage inventory and keep the inventory carrying costs down low. Yeah, Joe, this is something that we see across all industries, whether it is building materials, whether it's automotive supplies, it can be manufacturing as well, too. It can be raw goods. When you think of most businesses today are really watching the bottom line and the inventory on hand like what we mentioned earlier, is something that eats up a lot of cash flow. And it it used to be the case that you had to have these things on hand because there really wasn't a solution to either house the items very close to you and or to also get you the items when you need the items. So as we've really progressed now as an industry, that's why we see things such as flexible warehousing, where essentially you're able to stand up a warehouse very close to shippers to store items. We see a lot of startups in that space as well, too. They're doing well. We see a lot more of of just larger transportation companies with their own warehouse network who are open to sharing that space as well. All of that helps for shippers, for manufacturers, for retailers to not necessarily hold that inventory when they don't need to. And so the greatest thing is that, yeah, maybe before in the past, they had to wait maybe several days, maybe they had to wait up to a week before they could have those items brought in. 
And today, that's just not the case. If you think back many years ago, most of the distribution centers were off in a very far distance. And we've gone now to really within the industry, the concept of having more regional DCs. We've gone to micro-fulfillment, which is hyper-local as well, too. All of these things really as an industry has helped us to be able to help the to not have more inventory than what they actually need to have on site. Yep. And you touched on something there, which is we want inventory close to the consumer because the consumers want same day, next day. And by the way, if I'm on a construction site waiting for some material, I, (laughs) and I got an expensive team there. I don't want somebody to say, yeah, that'll be there tomorrow, more or less. Yeah. Tomorrow, the next day, I, I need it to be there as soon as possible. I need within the hour, within the next hour or so. So that means inventory has to be close to population. And that brings us to the middle mile. I know you guys also do middle mile, which is from, we'll say to the, from the DC or maybe it's even a a production facility to the location that's close to consumers. So describe a little bit about what you guys are doing in the middle mile. And by the way, we never even said middle mile until recently. It was as soon as we started saying final mile, then all of a sudden people said, what about the middle mile? It's like, so we've invented that really in the last, I would say three, four years. And I think it's good because it starts to be more descriptive about what we need. Please. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Joe. It's it's interesting because even the so the term middle mile has different use cases. Not everyone really thinks of middle mile in the same way, but in your example though, for middle mile, just think of all the retailers. They obviously have a much larger distribution center where they can pull inventory from. That is one portion of the middle mile to essentially do a transfer product from the DC to local retail stores. Another one is, is there's a concept of lots of local fulfillment centers for the retailers. They are also transferring product sometimes from the local DC. And then there's also times they transfer that product from the local retail store. That's another use case for what we also call middle mile as well, too. One other use case that we're very strong on, and this is a portion of our business that we're growing tremendously this year, is what we call middle mile line hauls. So the line hauls are essentially picking up from a shipper client that is mostly owned by a fulfillment warehouse partner who we work with. And so we will go to the shipper client, someone who actually manufactures the item, someone who holds inventory, will pick up two, four pallets of items and will drop those items off at a local fulfillment center. Those items then are actually sorted by the fulfillment partner and they get like all those packages ready so they can be delivered by their final mile network. So multiple use cases there with the middle mile uh, term. Yeah. And when you, we've always had box trucks, we've always had Sprinter vans, something like Sprinter vans and car, people driving cars or trucks. 
but we've never really pulled them into the into logistics. It was always, oh, those guys are the mom pods are separate from the logistics and transportation space. But they're being brought in, and you mentioned maybe it's four pallets or three pallets. So if it's three pallets that have to go 100 miles, traditionally, we might have said, well, I got a local guy who does that for me, or I send it LTL. The LTL route is potentially a day or so. And again, the expectation for the end customers, whoever that end customer is, and more and more, it's a business in your case, the expectations are it's same day, next day. The idea, and more likely if it's a building materials, it's, I need it when I need it. (laughs) Don't tell me a few days when my team is waiting on that material to get to work because I got to pay them. I can't send my guys home. They're going to get paid. Please get me my materials here. And so all of a sudden we've got um, this middle mile of one more. It's a flexible option that we didn't have before. You're absolutely right, Joe. One thing we've come to learn about the middle mile space, especially with the outbound, the line halls, is the reliability that is needed in that space is very high. The reason is because typically those shipments, we pick those shipments up usually late evening, okay? And those items go directly to the local fulfillment center. The local fulfillment center is waiting for us. Those packages are then sorted and they're generally sorted overnight for the next morning's routes that go out the door. So if we don't show up on time or if something happens and it it just puts them, of course, into a really big bind. And so, of course, with our solution here at Freight, it is a 100% dedicated vehicle. So if we're sending in, okay, the box truck, we're not going to commingle anyone else's freight onto that box truck. It is a direct shipment. One thing that I'm super excited about, too, as well, and I'll be sharing this next week when we're at the Manifest Show in Las Vegas, is how we're working with shippers to be able to optimize their line haul cost. And that is not by us giving a lower price. We have a strategy that we have that we're utilizing. And so I invite anyone who is listening to this podcast today, let's definitely connect because I would love to explain more about that strategy. Yep. By the way, this we are talking on February 1st. On February 4th, I'm flying to Manifest, and this will publish, I think, February 5th. So we will be listening to while we mingle around with all the cool kids at Manifest. I look forward to seeing you and Luke out there and whoever else you guys are bringing from freight. So who do you guys work with? Who is your sweet spot for freight? We have two main customers, like two main ideal customer profiles here at freight. One is the uh, 3PL customers. For us, the 3PL group, that includes the traditional 3PLs, as we know, of course, many of the huge brands that are out there. That also includes large transportation networks as well, too, whether it is FTL, could also be LTL as well, too. There's many use cases that we support them with as well. 
And then we also, so we also group the large technology platforms that are more like the volume aggregators that we also utilize the driver marketplace to also power those deliveries. So that's the one group. The second group is mostly the large industrial suppliers. So what do I mean by that? So for us, okay, industrial suppliers, that includes things such as as building materials. That also includes things like the automotive parts. We also work with a lot of manufacturers as well too directly so we can transport those items wherever they need to go. I love it. I love it. And again, this is all kind of new business, but it, we're starting to see a merger of, I'll say the mom pa businesses with traditional logistics. But the problem is the mom pa businesses don't necessarily um, connect well with 3PLs. That's why you need, again, a, a, an orchestration layer like Freight that says, we, will, we understand how to manage the routes. We have the technology. We'll get you the operational expertise that you need to have that consistent customer experience. And again, when you're talking B2B, I, I feel like the, the expectations are very high, just like they, for consumer market right now. And, and I think they, there's a carryover. If I can get if I can get that T-shirt delivered to my house overnight, then I start going and I go to work and I go, what do you mean two or three days to get my stuff here? I ordered a T-shirt overnight and it got here. I want the same same service in my day job. You're absolutely right. This year, or really last year, we started seeing the trend that the business customers they expect the same experience as if they are purchasing something personally. Why? It's because for so long we have been focused as an industry on the B to C last mile experience. And that's great. And because it really has helped for just a better elevated experience. The great thing for us is that expectation has also filtered over into B2B. And so we're well positioned to uh, be able to provide the same type of experience with real-time tracking and also notifications of the shipments. Yep. You, you're bringing the, the professionalism that, again, the mom and pop companies are great. They, again, they, they saved us during the pandemic. But the challenge, again, is that how do I work with a whole bunch of mom and pop companies? When I say mom and pop, I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but it might mean they have two or three, maybe one sprinter van, maybe it's just a car. And they have other responsibilities. It might be a side gig. So it's it's not the same as engaging with an enterprise. But again, the the mom and pop brings something valuable. It's just it's so much better when it can be powered by again that orchestration layer like you guys. So Steve Lopez, I am going to summarize what we talked about. It's the B B to B's final mile with Steve Lopez. So we talked about a lot of things, so you have to summarize it. <laughs> so we talked about, first off, I forever have used e-commerce and direct-to-consumer as one and the same. It is not necessarily what e-commerce is now. E-commerce is increasingly B2B. So B2B customers, so companies like Freight are working with a lot of B2B companies. And the B2B companies are doing that need that final mile are sometimes using 
mom pa companies. And those companies are great, except they lack the technology. They can't interface with you the same. You're also working with dozens of companies around the country. You're going to get a lot of inconsistency. You're going to get a lot of different invoices. You're not going to have the visibility, the route planning, the uh, the operational efficiency that we all come to expect. So they need to, to work with a company like Freight. Again, I keep using the term orchestration level or layer. And I think somebody said that on my podcast and it didn't make sense at the time, but now it makes a lot of sense to me why we need that layer. So Steve, put a big old bow on this one. What I like to say in closing, uh, Joe, is this year, 2024, this very, very transformational year for the industry, we are in need of not only constant constant improvement with operations, but the need for innovation is real. And the need for that innovation should include making the experience better for everyone that's involved in a delivery. So from shipper to driver, to the consumer, to the receiver. I'm super excited about you know what we're doing here at Freight because that's exactly the uh, path that we are on. And we're working on a lot of great initiatives that we'll be rolling out uh, later on this year. And uh, specifically working with the local mom and pop smaller fleets. And so we have a new product that will be coming out too later on this year. And so I'm super excited about what we're doing, very bullish on our future, and look forward to connecting with more individuals in the industry just like you. I love it. I love it. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile, a link to your website, and any other links that you and Emma give me. You guys had some white paper last time I talked to you. I forgot what it was, but do you remember? So we have multiple white papers. The marketing team, specifically Emma, she does a great job of just keeping lots of information that we like to share with the industry. So it, it, I'm sure the, I'm sure the white papers make it to the shippers. They make it to also others, okay, within the industry. But we publish a lot of content, and I really invite everyone to go to our website, so freight.com. I'll put a link to all those in the show notes so people can reach out and check those out. Perfect. So I look forward to seeing you at Manifest. And again, this I plan on this publishing on the 5th, Monday the 5th, which will be the first day of Manifest. So hopefully, hopefully you don't punch me in the mouth when you see me at the Manifest. <laughs> so, um, It'll all be good. <laughs> Anyway, you just told me you just came back from a conference I never heard of, Road and Concrete. Please elaborate. Yeah, so actually last week I was in Las Vegas as well, uh, and I'll be um, and next week I'll be there for Manifest. But last week um, we were in town for the World of Concrete. So the World of Concrete is the largest uh, show that is actually open to to really individuals who come in actually from all around the world. These are individuals that are in the cement and also masonry. And it was a fascinating show, Joe. We had a really good response. We were able to speak to hundreds and hundreds of contractors. We were able to speak to many suppliers also within that industry as well. 
not only suppliers, but we also spoke to also those that sell equipment in that space. And here is the number one learning that we came away with from that show. The need for speed and cement is real, meaning they don't have time to wait around. When they run out of an item, they need it fast. When they have something break down, they need the part very quickly. And so that's an area that we are in very, or that we actually do very well in that space. We perform on-demand delivery very well. And so it was a great show for us. Super excited that I'll be back again in Las Vegas next week for a manifest. And yeah, I look forward to it. Yep. And what other conferences will you and the fine folks from Freight be at? Yeah, the next show that we are actually going to be at there with our booth is going to be Home Delivery World in June. And that'll be in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So look forward to being back in Philly again. I know we talked about the B2B's final mile here, but I know you guys still deliver a lot to home. So you're open to that too. I feel like there's a lot of learnings from both sides. So I think it's nice that you guys are on both sides of the business. Anyway, Steve Lopez, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Really appreciate it, Joe. It's been fun. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.